Welcome to the Spreading Success Podcast, bringing you the best habits, routines, and strategies from the most elite entrepreneurs in the game to help you find your path to success. Now, let's get right into the show. Welcome back to the Spreading Success Podcast. My name is Ram Raviv, and I'm your host. Today, I'm joined by 20-year-old Apple Kreider. How are you doing, man? Ram, it's a pleasure. I'm super stoked to be here today. Before I start this podcast, I would just like to say thank you for everything that you've done for me. For those of you who don't know, Apple has helped me tremendously and I can't thank him enough for what he has done. Man, I appreciate you saying that, but um, I don't know. I'm just doing the best I can. <laughs> <laughs> so for the listeners that are not familiar with you, can you just give us a brief overview of what you do and what you're kind of up to right now? Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, first of all, just stoked to be here. But basically what I'm doing right now, like Ram said, I'm 20 years old. I am a student over in Wisconsin. The main thing that I'm working on right now is my podcast, which is called Young Smart Money. It is a top 100 business podcast. And essentially what I do is every single day I sit down with a six, seven or eight figure online entrepreneur, talk with them about how they got started, what they're doing, and really provide a framework for other young people who are not really feeling the nine to five lifestyle and want to get some other additional options in their life going on. So I am there to provide those options with all the different people that I have on the show from fitness influencers to social media marketers to people in drop shipping, really any kind of online business you can think of. I've had tons of people on trading, crypto, every base we have hit it. That's what I am up to right now. Yeah, man, definitely. So my first question for you is how did you actually get into the world of entrepreneurship at such a young age? Obviously, you didn't start at age 20. You started a few years ago. So was it the world around you or social media or did you just have an internal passion of just wanting to obviously escape the rat race nine to five and you just want it to be different? Yeah, so that's a great question. And it's one that I get pretty often. And I'm still kind of developing my answer to it. And I'm still like, every time I think back, I'm always reflecting and picking up on new things. But right now, the, the reason that I think I got to the place that I'm at is um, I've always I've always been interested in money and how money works and how people interact with money. So I can like remember back to a time where I was probably like five or six years old. And I was always watching my parents and how they interacted in stores and how my parents would always look at the price tag of things and how they would remark either something was very cheap or expensive. And that, that sort of idea of how people interacted with money was something that fascinated me at a very young age and something that I took forward with me throughout my entire life. So I'd always been looking at sort of how people were interacting with money, how people made money, how they thought about money. And then flash forward to the age of about 16, I was in high school. Like I didn't have to try hard in school to get good grades. It was just like a skill that came naturally to me. Like I, if I showed up to the class, I could pass the tests. I could, I got pretty much a 4.0 in high school and that really took no effort whatsoever. I had a lot of time on my hands. So I was, I was going online. I was going on YouTube and searching how to make money as most people do at that age that are looking for something more. And from there, I stumbled upon this dude. His name's Ryan Scribner. And at the time, he had like 500 subscribers on YouTube. This guy was just doing little stuff, talking about entrepreneurship and how he was making some money online. And I was pretty fascinated by that. And a book that he recommended was uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So I was just walking through this thrift store one day in, in Madison, Wisconsin, and I saw the book. It was like a dollar. And I was like, well, this dude told me it was a good book, so I better pick it up and read it. So I picked it up. And I literally burned through this thing in like a day. Like I just tore through this book. It was, I was just eating it up because prior to reading this book, I sort of thought that the path for success and the path that I wanted to follow was I wanted to go to school, 
um, go to college, graduate with a 40 year degree in computer science, because that's what my dad did. He was a computer programmer. He really enjoyed it a lot. And he got a lot of satisfaction out of his work. So I was like, okay, well, I'll just do that. I, I'd taken a computer science class before. It was pretty interesting. So I was like, okay, I'll do that. I'll get a job. I'll work for like, I don't know, 40 to 60 hours a week for the next 40 years of my life. And then I guess I'll probably retire to Florida and, and die. And just, just thinking about that, I mean, that was, that was the path that I was going down. But then I read this book and I realized that there were so many additional options and so many, there was just a whole other side of the world that I had no knowledge of. And I just, I, I just heard about the nine to five over and over and over. And I thought that was the only thing you could do was like, you go to school, you get good grades, you get a good job and that's it. But reading this book really opened my eyes to the world of entrepreneurship and all the other options that I had available to me. So I sort of Top down that rabbit hole. I was talking to my friends about it. They were like, dude, chill out. I'm like 20 years old. I don't need to worry about entrepreneurship or starting my own business. I'm just trying to like go out on the weekends and have fun. So I was like, that's cool, but I'm going to start, I'm going to start talking to people about this. So I started a YouTube channel because I'm like, if you guys don't want to listen to me, that's cool. I'm going to just make these videos. And if you guys want to watch them, go for it. If not, I'll just be over here doing my thing. So that's what I did. And that's sort of a, a very long winded way of like how I got started in the entrepreneurship space. Yeah, man. Sounds like you went through a, a lot, especially with your <laughs> friends just pushing you around. But I know, obviously, I've been doing some research about your social media management agency. I obviously am looking forward to starting one on my own. But how do you how are you able to get big names? I know, as you mentioned, Ryan Scribner, obviously, he was one of your initial clients. But how did you get obviously, I, he wasn't that big when you first obviously started talking to him. But mm -hmm. How did you get names like Ryan Scribner to sign up for your program? Yeah, so that's a great, great question. So taking our listeners sort of from where I started that YouTube channel, I was growing that for about six months to a year. I, I never really got into the whole YouTube game. I was kind of just throwing videos out there because they were fun. Like some people were watching them, but I wasn't in it to get a lot of subscribers or make a lot of money on YouTube. I never, I put ads on my videos for like a month or two. But then I was just like, I don't, I don't need this. It was like maybe $10 a day or something. And I was like, this isn't worth it. And I would rather just have people be able to see my videos. That was a tangent that was really unnecessary. But all that to say, I started this YouTube channel, I was growing it. And then I started learning about more ways that I could be making money online. And I started diving into Instagram because I was on YouTube. I'd had some fun over there. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to diversify a bit and um, start building up an Instagram presence. So I did that. I started up a, a niche Instagram page called Successful Founders. And it was in the entrepreneurship space. Me and a buddy of mine were just creating this entrepreneurship content, posting it, and um, trying to grow the page that, so that we could monetize it, maybe sell ads on it. We didn't really know what we were doing at the time. But we saw some serious traction there. In the first couple of weeks, we got it past 10,000 followers. In the next couple of weeks, we got it up to like 30 or 40,000 followers. So we were seeing a lot of traction over there. And I was like, okay, I think I sort of have a good idea for how the Instagram game works. I'd been in it for a couple months. So what I decided to do was I'm like, okay, I think I could use some of the skills I learned here to transfer over to the YouTube space where I was before. So I thought about who the YouTube creators were that I knew that didn't have a large Instagram presence because I knew a bunch of guys on YouTube. They were killing it over there. They had hundreds of thousands of subscribers, but on Instagram, they would have like one or 2000 followers and they really didn't know what they were doing on the platform. They weren't investing the time, energy, or attention into it that they needed to be. So I decided to do was I'm like, all right, I see a place here where I could, where I could provide a solution, sort of be a bridge. So I could provide a bridge from these people who have say 300,000 followers on YouTube and 3000 followers on Instagram. I could help them bridge that gap because clearly they already know how to create good content. Like they already, they have the chops, they yeah. have the skills to create good content and grow a following. They just don't know the systems and they don't know the strategies that actually work on this new platform. So 
what I decided to do was I reached out to Ryan and a couple other people in the entrepreneurship space on YouTube who didn't have any presence on Instagram. And I, I straight up offered to work for them for free. Like I said, I'm going to work for you for free. Here's what I'm going to do. And that was it. And, and the key part here, and this is where a lot of people go wrong. Okay. There's a couple, there's a couple places that a lot of people go wrong when it comes to working for free. And I want you to not make these mistakes because I get hit up dozens of times every single week, every single day by people doing this completely wrong. So when you offer to work for somebody for free, first of all, you got to be genuine. Okay. If you have a, if you have an agenda, if you're trying to just like get to them or if you're trying to just get them, get money out of them, like if you're trying to do anything other than just provide straight value to them and help them bring their message to more people, you're doing it wrong. Okay. I straight up, I hit these guys up, not because I wanted to start a business, not because I wanted to make money, but because I knew they, they had a good message and they just weren't getting it to as many people as they could be. So that was my motive. I was not in it for anything else. So if that's not your motive, you're not going to have success with this. Second thing is you need to provide value to them on the first contact. Okay. If you've never contacted this person before, you need to come very strong on your first message. You have to do it. There's a lot of mistakes people make on that first message. That's going to get them either like blacklisted from this person, never get responded to and just mistakes that you don't want to make. So first thing that you, you got to not do is don't just send them a message that says, I will work for you for free. Like that is the worst thing you could possibly do because like me personally, that's great. Like I, I love that hustle. Like I love that you want to provide value to me and I love that you are, are trying to help me out. Like I have no idea anything about you. Like, I don't know what you're yeah. good at. I don't know how you could help me. Like literally I have, I have no clue like what you could do. And that just takes time for me to think about what you could do for me. That, that just is at that point, it's just wasting time. And I don't know what you're good at. So like, I have nothing to go off of there. And, and nine times out of 10, when somebody sends me that, I'm just going to like their message. I'll give them like a double tap and a heart. And like, that's all I can do. Cause like, I don't know what you're good at. I don't know what you can do. So don't do that. Okay. <laughs> and like managing these bigger accounts, they're getting messages like that. They're getting hundreds of messages like that every single day. So like, if you do that, you're not going to stand out and you're not going to get anywhere. So that's the first mistake you don't want to make. Second mistake you don't want to make is sort of going further beyond, like not just saying, I want to work for you for free, provide them something of value on that first message. So what I did with Ryan and the other guys that I reached out to right away is I created pieces of content for them right away that I sent to them in that first message. So I didn't just say, I'm going to work for you for free. Here's what I'm going to do. I said, I'm going to work for you for free. Here's what I already did. Here's the content that's already ready for you. This is how you should post it. This is the captions you should write. These are the hashtags you should use. I literally did all the work for them. So all they had to do was copy it, paste it, and drop it into their Instagram. I literally set everything up for them. So that is key. Okay. If you want to work for somebody for free, if you want to provide value to them, like show them what you're capable of from the get so that they know one, that you're not just all talking to like what you can actually do. And if the stuff that you do is actually going to deliver. Now, once you've actually gotten your foot in the door, you're working for them for free. A lot of people are like, well, I don't want to work for free because that's where you set your value. Like if you talk to Grant Cardone, that dude's going to be like, never work for free ever. Like that's a waste of your time. You're setting your value at zero and nobody's going to respect you. And I, I see his point there. But my argument to that is like, if you work for free for somebody and you're actually providing value, you're going to let the market establish what you're worth. Because me coming in at that point, I was 17, 18 years old. Okay. I didn't know if I actually had something. I didn't know if I actually had the skills. Okay. I'd grown one Instagram page to whatever 50,000 followers. But like, I didn't know if that was something that, that I just got off of sheer luck, if that was something I could replicate. So I went in here, offered to work for free. And then eventually they saw how valuable I was to them and to their business. They saw that I was growing their account, thousands of followers every single week. So they wanted to keep me around. Okay. They didn't want to lose me because they're like, well, 
this dude knows what he's doing. I bet he could get paid somewhere else to do the same thing for somebody else. I want to keep him here with me. So I'm going to offer him money and I'm going to start paying him for this service so that he actually stays here and doesn't find something better to do with his time that's going to get him paid more money. So that sort of allowed me to establish my value based on the market and based on what they were willing to pay me because they saw what I was capable of before I asked them for money. Because a lot of times, and this is another mistake that people make, they will approach somebody, they'll approach an influencer and say, hey, I will manage your social media, give me $200 a week and let's get started. And again, like you have not proven yourself. They don't know what you're capable of. They don't know if you actually are good at anything. So that's, that's another way that you don't want to do it. So that's why I think the best way is to work for free and show them what you're capable of from the get so that they can establish, okay, this is a person of value. They're adding value to my business and it's worth my time, worth my energy, worth my resources to keep them around. That's a very long winded way of saying how I was able to get a bunch of big clients like that. And then just through that strategy alone, literally in the first month off of only getting like three clients, I made something like three, $4,000 in that first month. And that was, I mean, that was pure profit because they were just paying me for my time because I was just creating content for them and giving it to them. Like I didn't have any overhead. I wasn't buying any ads. And that was, that was really pivotal for me because that was the first time that it actually made any significant money online. Because before I was just making YouTube videos and doing little side hustles here and there, but making whatever three, $4,000 in like three, four weeks was, was huge for me. Yeah. But a struggle that I see a lot of people making and just like a problem that they have mm -hmm. is that they feel like they're too young. And something that happened to me is I w wanted to start a little growth agency. And so I messaged someone and I was explaining my service to them. And they said, you're cute and all, but like, I'm not going to pay you. And I was like, I was kind of offended because they kind of associate age with expertise and experience. So did people like Ryan ever question your expertise due to your age? Not at all. And that's a question that I've gotten in a couple podcast interviews. And I mean, especially given the fact that I look like I'm about 12 years old, it, it's surprising to me or it's surprising to other people that it hasn't been a huge issue for me. And a lot of that just comes down to like, again, showing people what you're capable of. And like, if that's an issue for you, you just got to get some testimonials. Cause like once you have, once you work for free for somebody, they, they know how good you are. You ask them for a quick testimonial. Like once you get a testimonial from like Ryan and a couple other big guys, you can leverage those to do anything. So it, it really comes down to showing your value. And I would, I mean, working for free is huge because if you're whatever, 17, 18, 19, like whoever's listening to this right now, if you're young, your time is probably not worth that much. Okay. Unless you have some kind of business that you're already running, your time is probably not worth that much. So it's, it's worth it for you to invest that time into working for free for somebody who can then provide you with that leverage and that platform to really access so much more and, and really just get to that next level. So I'm a huge proponent on building your network. And right now that's my main focus right now. Like I could be making significantly more money than I am right now, but I'm spending my time investing into my network rather than investing into making more money. Cause I realize I'm 20 years old. Like if I can spend the next, I don't know, 12 months really building out my network and getting connected with some very high value people, that's going to provide huge, huge dividends throughout the entire course of my life. Whereas focusing on making an extra, I don't know, $5,000 a month, is not the biggest ROI for me right now. Like it's just not, I don't need that money. I'm doing perfectly fine where I'm at. So I think it's just important to keep perspective on like, where are you actually trying to go? And like, what are the things that are actually moving you closer? Not just what do you think you need to get closer? Yeah, that's also a, re a big reason as to why I started my own podcast at such a young age, you know, to get, expand my network and yep. just build my connections. And I know you were talking about time and how a lot of young people have a lot of time, but you're only 20 years old 
and you literally do it all. You have a podcast, <laughs> social media agency, you're coaching and all that stuff. Can you talk to us about different strategies you use to manage your time? Yeah, well, the first thing I'm going to say is I am no expert on on time blocking, time management, anything like that. I'm still definitely working on it, just like everybody else is. And just to give you some context, to be straight up, like this morning, I have accomplished very little compared to what I wanted to do this morning. And that's just because like time time management can be hard. Like it's hard to stay motivated all the time. Like I am constantly, I'm getting better at this now and, and providing myself like explicit time that I'm like not working because otherwise I'm just going to work around the clock. And a lot of times that's going to provide lower quality work. I might be doing more, but it's not going to be as high quality. So coming back to, to time management, just so you guys know, I'm not an expert at this whatsoever, but I'll tell you what I am doing right now and how that's working for me and sort of how that's evolved over time. So Flashing back to like last year, I really had no time management whatsoever, but this year I implemented, I use Google Calendar and I tried to block off all of my time, okay? I tried to block everything, okay? So the first thing that I'm going to put into my calendar, if we're, if we're starting fresh, um, is anything that a mentor of mine calls immovable objects, but just like anything that is there and, and needs to be there and can't really move. So if you're in school, this would be things like class. If you have a job, this would be things like work, but just put in anything that you, you can't move, okay? So I, I put in all my classes. I put in when I'm going to be, I even put in when I'm going to be asleep. So I put in when I'm going to be asleep. I put in my classes. I also put in meals, because those are times I know I can't go more than like five hours without eating, without feeling like I'm going to like rip somebody's face off. So I know I have to put meals in there just to make sure that I know when to eat and that I make time for that. So I'll put in stuff like that. And then from there, also one of my immovable objects is working out. Like every single morning, I always work out at the same time, same place. And that's something that like, let me talk about habits for a second as well, because uh, a lot of people, uh, I think they get habits wrong because they think habits are, are, based on discipline, but I don't believe that at all. So the way I see habits and discipline and decisions is that at the beginning of the day, I see that we have a certain amount of like decision-making juice. I don't know. I don't know what to call it, but like decision-making juice. And throughout the day, we use that up. Every time we make a decision, we use some of this brain power, some of this energy, some of the decision-making juice to make a decision. And if you set up systems in place, you create habits, then you don't need to use any of that brain power or that decision-making juice to execute on that. So for me, working out is definitely one of those things because I've gotten in this habit. I have, and for me, this generally takes about three weeks. Okay. If I do something consistently for three weeks, it's locked in and it just doesn't take any willpower for me to do. So right now I'll wake up. I put my alarm. I'm kind of rambling here. Okay. But here's my morning. I wake up, I have my phone away from my bed. It's not next to my bed. When my alarm goes off, I can't grab it from my bed. I need to literally get out of bed to shut my alarm off. And that's also really helpful because I have a roommate right now and he doesn't like it when my alarm's going off for a long time. So I literally need to get up out of bed, sprint over, turn off my alarm right away. That gets me awake. Like that, that is the best way to get awake. I would say if your alarm, if your phone is next to your bed, when you sleep, don't put it there. Like literally throw it across the room and go find it. Cause that's just going to be so much more effective for trying to get up and actually be awake. I mean, my roommate as well, like literally his alarm goes off like five times and he just keeps snoozing. And I'm like, dude, you got to get up. Like, like if you're using the snooze button, what are you doing, dude? You, you got to change something. Cause if your life is at this point where you're not that excited to like literally jump out of bed and like get after it, like change something up. Because I mean, if you're hitting the snooze button, I don't even know. I've, I've never touched a snooze button once in my life. I just don't see the point. Like somebody asked me once before if I'd ever snooze my alarm and I just, I just can't even conceptualize like why somebody would do that. Like it just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to me. But 
All that being said, I get up out of bed, I'll eat some food, and then I'll go to the gym. And that's just something that I've been doing for over a year now. Like literally I wake up, I eat food, I go to the gym. That's my routine. And that doesn't take any willpower. Like that whole, that whole part of the morning, no decisions were made. Like I knew what I was going to do before I even did it. I usually just like throw my clothes out ahead of time as well. But I, I usually just wear the same thing to the gym every day because that just makes things easier. So that whole part of my morning is completely like set in stone every single morning, exact same thing, no willpower needed. So I would highly recommend implementing. It doesn't have to be like a crazy morning routine. Clearly mine is pretty basic, but doing something on a regular basis so that you do it and you just imprint it so that it doesn't take any willpower for you to do anymore. Because if it doesn't, you're saving that energy and that decision-making juice for the important things. Okay. Now I have more of that and more focus and more attention, more energy into the things that actually matter and things that I can that I can really use to, to bring my business forward and my life forward and just everything. So I would, I would highly recommend trying to make as few decisions as possible in like the beginning of the day and saving that juice as, as long as you can, because once you run out, you know how that feels like at the end of the day, you're just drained. You're like, I can't think anymore. I can't make any good decisions. So if you can, prolong that for as long as you can by making systems and, and creating habits. That's, that's been really, really effective for me in, in being able to make good decisions throughout the rest of my day. But then as far as the rest of my scheduling process goes, that's really the morning. And then I'll look at all the empty blocks that I have in my days. And as of right now, I schedule all of my interviews for podcasts. I do those on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And usually Monday and Wednesday are interviews that I'm interviewing other people for my podcast. And then Friday is for stuff like this. So I'm coming on other people's podcasts or other people's YouTube channels and doing interviews myself. So I'll, I'll try to fill in as much of Monday, Wednesday, and Friday with interviews as I can. And then any remaining time in there, I will use for whatever projects I'm working on. And then Tuesday, Thursday are reserved for my projects. And then Saturday and Sunday, I usually am working pretty much the entire day. I might take the nights off because I've developed this passion. I don't, I don't really talk about this that much, so it's kind of a, an exclusive here. But I've developed this. I really like swing dancing. I just found out that I really like swing dancing. So I've been doing that a lot lately on the weekends. So that's what I do on the weekend nights. But during the day on the weekend, I'm usually just grinding it out. There's a co-working space on my campus that I go to just hang out there for the day and work on whatever I'm working on. But all that, all that to say, that's, that's, my, that's my basic time management routine right there. There's nothing too crazy to it. And obviously, I get thrown off too. Like there'll, there'll be times where I just don't feel like doing anything. And oftentimes, I feel like those, those are the times we really do need to take a break because you can try to keep pushing through stuff, but the quality of your work is going to suffer. And for me, I either have to be all in or all out. Okay, if I don't, if I'm not giving something my full attention, my full energy, it's, it's not going to get done to the level that I want it to get done. And then I'm just going to feel worse about it. Like if I'm not in a place where I'm like in work mode and I'm trying to get work done, but I'm also like not paying attention or I'm trying to do something else at the same time, it's, it's just not going to be good. It's going to stress me out and it's not going to allow me to get any work done. So for me, I got to be either all in work mode or all in like relaxing mode. Definitely. It's just a lot of people have school and everything and it's hard to just balance everything. But in terms of habits, like you said, do you think that there's a certain mindset that goes into it when you're initially creating the habits? Obviously, once you get in the role, like in mm -hmm. rolling, it's a lot easier. But that initial step is what I've seen. It's just really hard for people to just get started with those kinds of things. That's true. And one quick thing you said about balance, and I think this is something that I, I meant to say, but I forgot to say, you need to be very protective of your time because like that's such like time is your most valuable resource. It's literally your scarcest resource. You like we we literally we have so such a limited amount of time like here on this planet like to do what we want to do so like 
be protective of your time. And that's why I like to, to carve out literally all of my time and say, okay, I don't get super specific, but I'll say like, all right, from this, from this, from like 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., I'm going to be working on like researching podcast guests or something. And I will just block out that entire time. And that is my time to do that. And if somebody asks me to do a podcast interview in that time slot, it's a no. Like I, that time is full. Like I'm doing stuff there in that time. Like that is my time to do what I'm going to doing, what I'm going to use it for. So be protective of your time and, and block out your time. You don't have to do super specific, but just say like, all right, this like one or two hour block is for my business. Like just straight and simple and just like protect that time and use it for your business. And that's, that's been the most effective thing for me. But as far as like getting that, those early stages of habits, for me, it's been helpful to look at like the bigger picture. Like what, like, why am I doing this? Like, why do I want to go to the gym every morning? What's the point? Cause if I don't have a strong, why, if I don't have a strong point, then why am I doing it? Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it. I'm, I'm gonna find excuses. I'm gonna find reasons not to, I'm gonna stay in bed. Like, if I don't have a strong why, like there's no point. So for me, it's about thinking about the bigger picture and like, why, why would I want to go to the gym every single day for the next year? Like, what would that, what would that do for me? What would be the beneficial outcomes of that? What would happen if I didn't do that? Like if I never went to the gym, what would my outcomes be? And comparing and contrasting and just thinking about what your priorities are. Like if health isn't a priority for you right now, that's great. Like respect for that. I don't totally agree with that since we have so little time here and um, you probably want to take care of your body at least a little bit if you want to make the most of it. But I mean, think about what your priorities are and then give those things your time of day and like find a routine that works for you. Like for some people working out in the morning doesn't work for them. And that's great. Like do it in the afternoon, do it in the evening, but just like figure out what works for you. And like what works for me might not work for you. That's great. But like figure out what works for you and figure out what your goals are and what you can be doing consistently to bring you closer to your goals. And then once you establish what you can be doing, start doing it and do it consistently and, and hold yourself accountable. Like I know I got buddies of mine who use a calendar system and they, they buy a, a paper calendar, they put it on their wall and they X out every day that they do something. And I can see how that would be very motivating for somebody. Cause like you get this chain of X's in a row. You've been to the gym for like 12 days. You don't want to break that. So that could be, that could be a valuable strategy as well. I don't use that myself just because for me, my brain, it works a lot more logically than other people's brains do. Like I don't really operate on emotions that much, which has its pros and cons, but I see things very black and white. So for me, it's like, I'm going to the gym today. And if I don't go to the gym today, that was just a, a poor decision. And it's just not something that I'm going to do. My brain just doesn't, that's just not an option for me. So I know everyone works differently and that's not how all people operate, but I mean, just find the systems that work for you. And I mean, there's, there's tons of different techniques you could be using, but it really comes down to self-awareness and like what is going to be the best for me and my body and my brain that's going to help me keep with things. Because again, it's that persistence. And for me, it's about three weeks, but like once you can consistently do something for three weeks, then, then that decision-making juice that it takes just goes way, way, way down. Yeah, definitely, man. Well, Apple, thank you for your time. It was a pleasure having you on. Do you have any final words of wisdom that you'd like to share with the audience or just last final tips? Yeah, I got one thing. And there's this saying that, that a mentor of mine told me recently. He said, there's three types of people in the world. There's people who make it happen. There's people who watch it happen. And then there's people who wonder what happened. And I think it's really important that we evaluate which type of person we are and what, what category we're fitting in. And just to give you a, some more context there, basically what he was talking about was like, there are people who, who are out there creating content like Rom, people who are, who are doing really cool stuff. There's people who are watching them create the cool stuff or, or take action. And, and they are like looking up to them and they are emulating them and they are learning from them. And then there's these people who are wondering what happened. And this is where the majority of the population fits in. They're just wandering through life, not really sure what's happening at any given time. They're just kind of going with the flow. They're just kind of existing. And you want to fall into those first two categories. 
You want to be somebody who's creating something and you want to be somebody who is learning from the people that are creating stuff. You don't just want to be floating through life aimlessly, just kind of waiting for tomorrow to happen and waiting for the weekend and waiting for summer. Like you, you want to have purpose in life and, and have some kind of direction and have some kind of, of end goal and don't, don't just be somebody who exists. Yeah, man. All right, man. Thank you again for hopping on. If you guys received any value from this episode, the links to Apple's podcast, Young Smart Money, as well as other socials will be posted below. See you on the next one.